you know, it's just fun. Sometimes you just want to sit and watch like Full House or something, right? I don't get it. Hello, everybody. Hey, everyone. Welcome to I Don't Get It, a podcast about contemporary dance in Edmonton, Alberta. I'm Fonda. And I'm Paul. And we're here to talk to you about uh, The Three Musketeers, presented by Alberta Ballet on November 7th and 8th. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a narrative ballet, as, as one might expect from a, an interpretation of the, of the book of the classic Three Musketeers. Um, and it was, uh, it was choreographed by David Nixon. Uh, who is a Canadian, uh, but he's seen tons of and most of his acclaim in Europe, actually, um, where he's yeah. known for narrative ballets. He's done The Great Gatsby um, and other such works and interpreted those for ballet uh, and seen a lot of success. He's the, the artistic director of a company in Leeds right now. And I think he's Order of British Empire, OBE. Yes, he is. Yes, it says in is. the program, David Nixon, OBE. Ah, what a title. What a title. It's too bad we Canadians can't actually get an OBE. No, even though the Queen is technically still our head of state. Yeah, no. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> yeah. Moving, moving right along. Um, okay, so yeah, we went and saw uh, a narrative ballet. Yeah, and it was the first one that we've seen in a while. This one was a bit of a different... Uh, different game. The choreography was a little bit more contemporary. There was like this crew of washerwomen who were all dancing in bare feet yeah. and um, they had some sort of raunchy, raunchy sassy moves that um, when they were teasing D'Artagnan, played by Kelly McKinley. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I quite liked them. There were there was some very unique movement in that that you don't you don't often see in the ballet, especially a ballet of of this type. Sure, and and maybe just like uh, what what would how would you describe the the plot of Three Musketeers in in twenty words or less? Uh huh. Well, I have to say that I don't know the story all that well, <laughs> um, but there are three musketeers in it, yes. and they are um, sort of servants or or soldiers for um, the king, King Louis the Eighth. Um, the three musketeers find a young a young man named D'Artagnan um, who has some mad sword fighting skills, and they eventually sort of adopt him into their fold. Along with that, there's a little bit of a love story. D'Artagnan falls in love with a gal named Constance, um, who is played beautifully by Ina Gutierrez in this production. And um, and there's political intrigue. Um, yeah. There's sort of a, in, in this particular take, there's sort of a, a necklace, a valuable necklace that goes missing and is stolen and, and sort of set up as a almost to frame frame the uh, the queen figure for, from having lost it. All of which to say, I think, uh, which was way more than 20 words, but is, Sorry, there's yeah. a, it's a lot. It's a big <laughs> book. Um, uh, there was a lot going on. The last narrative ballet we saw together was mm. Giselle last year, uh, also put mm. on by Alberta Ballet, um, which is uh, emotionally uh, very complicated and rich, but a very simple story of sort of uh, love lost and, and, and ghosts. Um, whereas mm-hmm. this one had a lot more um, happening that I thought was a little cluttery and maybe didn't come through as clearly, uh, which is interesting because my my complaint about Giselle was that some of the pantomime was so obvious and mm-hmm. so big, mm-hmm. uh, which I understood, but was like, all right, we get it. Let's get on to it. Um, whereas this, sometimes a scene would play out and I wouldn't understand narratively what had happened in it. As someone who, who still sort of, um, you know, uh, is often geared towards looking towards story. Um, I, I sometimes found it a little clear in a narrative ballet, 
uh, what was going on in this one. Mm -hmm. The overall arc was pretty clear. We had musketeers. We had, um, you know, um, uh, uh, fighting and, and, you know, want of this thing and, and, and love stories popping up. Like on a scene by scene basis, it was often fairly clear. But in terms of the whole narrative thread and the more like political intrigue element of it, mm -hmm. uh, I found got lost. Yeah. So this is it's a relatively new ballet. Um, the the ballet, I, I think, was originally performed in uh, 2006. Um, and yeah. so it's only had a few years to be around, actually. And um, I think one of the things that the staying power of those of those classical ballets that are much older, like Giselle, is that there's there's a lot of honing that ends up happening um, mm -hmm. as different choreographers sort of like take it through the generations. So. I mean, this one is a much more complex story. There's more characters, there's more subplots and other things going on. And uh, yeah, it's just, it's not just about the two lovers, really. It's about mm -hmm. so much more. Um, the three musketeers themselves were great, um, played by Yukichi Hattori, Haciel Gomez, and Garrett Grote. Um, Yukichi Hattori being cast as Porthos, the sort of drunk... The drunkard, the <laughs> drunkard ladies man, who's just like a rascal and... Playing with all sorts of things which are not like gender politically correct in 2014, yeah. but um, as that as that character absolutely was was uh, effective and and is still just an incredible mover to watch. So there's yeah. something about the way he does things which is just and he's the not best. afraid to be really funny. Like he really hit like every punchline that he could hit with a movement he did, and and it was it was silly and and yeah it, that. I really like watching him as well. Can't wait to see some of his choreography later in the season. Um, but one, the other, sorry. Oh, sorry. Oh my. Uh, oh, oh. Who will go first? It will be me. Um, uh, one thing was that was interesting to watch uh, was the fact that there was fight choreography and there were fight scenes in ballet, which is the first I've certainly encountered in the year and a half we've been doing this. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, I thought uh, it was actually fairly well done um, in terms of the other fight choreography I've seen in different contexts. I think um, ballet dancers uh, can do that quite well. They Turn, can bring it. Turns out uh, yeah. being, you know, athletically built can can work in different ways. Well, and I think just also being able to leap and extend mm -hmm. um, and, you know, spin and, and just be aware of, like, the, what their movement looks like. Um, possibly sometimes more than, like, actors who are used to just sort of, like, conventional fight choreography. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, there was a lot of tumbling and leaping in it in the fight scenes. There was also a lot going on in the yeah, fight scenes. Yeah, I would say there were some things, again, and this comes back to maybe some of the, the clutteriness that, that we were talking about earlier. There were moments when I wouldn't, especially in fights, where I wouldn't know which of the musketeers I was supposed to be watching, you know, mm -hmm. who was going to have the cool flourish or the move, you know. Um, and then you would sort of miss it. You would sort of half catch it. Yeah. Like, uh, ooh, where, where? Oh. Yeah, when oh. there was a fight on stage, it was a real melee. Like, there was actually a huge bar fight going on. Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. And that was it. Um, sure. um, uh, one thing as well, uh, the score um, was, oh, was great. The music was incredible. Um, Sir Malcolm Arnold uh, did the, was the composer, who actually, um, according to the program, uh, passed away. Uh, the same day uh, The Three Musketeers was premiered uh, oh. back in 2006, so I guess was perhaps his last score. 
Um, but it was performed live uh, in terms of the show by the Edmonton Symphony Orchestra, which doesn't uh, oh, always happen. Yeah, that was a real treat. You don't often get that anymore because it, and frankly, it gets very expensive. Yes, yeah. <laughs> but um, um, but this score of all of the ones I've seen in, in, in some time, this one was definitely worth it. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. it absolutely captured the moments and sometimes would help tell the story where it's like, oh, this is the emotional thing that's happening mm-hmm. in the scene right now because the music was so strong and such a, a potent element of what was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the other parts that I did really like, um, even though it, the the dancers themselves, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if they were actually that into it. But the choreography oh. was very nice between um, the Duke of Buckingham and Queen Anne. Now, so they're two that are having an affair behind King Louis VIII's back, and then the Duke of Buckingham turns out to be a total jerk anyway. But whatever. Right, right. Um, but yeah, the choreography and the scenes between them, like especially the very first one. Um, when she, I think she sort of like escapes a party that he's just, like her husband is just totally embarrassed her at by dressing in drag like like her. <laughs> Gender politics, twenty fourteen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it doesn't hold up, but this was what the story yeah. was. So, so the king just totally embarrasses Queen Anne. She goes into her room and she cries, and then the Duke of Buckingham is sneaks in and and they do this lovely duet, um, really long lines and and like nice nice lifts. Um, yeah, that one that one kind of stuck out in my mind as something that was was really uh, like just a, like a nice and loving dance, but it turns out to be totally fake in the end, which was surprising. Um, because then the dances between D'Artagnan and Constance, um, they well, and, and because they're young people, of course, mm-hmm. it's, it's suiting. But it, they weren't; they didn't seem as mature. Um, sure. So their their movement was more um, playful and and quick, I guess. Uh, so yeah, the the other those other duets between Queen Anne and the Duke of Buckingham really, um, I think, contrasted in that way. Right. Um, in a lot of a lot of ballets um, and and some narrative ballets, there's sort of usually like a scene that that ballet is known for. You know, in Giselle, there's sort of the the intense dancing at the end when the ghosts are literally trying to dance one of the characters characters to death mm-hmm. um, and some things like that. Um, this is a relatively new um, ballet as we as we were talking about. Um, w- were there scenes that you thought Fonda um, would sort of are going to become the ones that the three musketeers the ballet is known for? Mm, that's and a, a good, tough question. That's to a good question. Um, I did like those scenes with the three musketeers themselves in them mm-hmm. um, because they had they were the most sort of virtuosic that were on the stage and especially when they all kind of leapt together it's like quite impressive and mm-hmm. and nice um, and yeah I think that <laughs> I have to say I think one of the reasons that people might remember this ballet is because there's a couple of parts that are really weird. Um, There was this one, there was this one instance in the party scene Mm -hmm. where there was a bunch of, there were a bunch of dancers that came out in these weird like pillar type costumes and they fanned, Mm -hmm. they had these like floor length fans that were kind of like attached to their arms. So when they would fan their arms out, it was, their bodies looked like these big fans. I had no idea why they were there or what they were doing. It was the strangest costume I've seen in a ballet in a long time. (laughs) For some reason that really sticks out in my mind sure yeah yeah it was definitely strange they were wearing like these silver wigs like actual like some kind of foil or whatever yeah it was weird because i wasn't sure if the if it was intentional for humor or if it was just like set piecing if it was just like an extravagant costume or if it was like 
purposefully a little over the top. I couldn't actually yeah. read the intent of the scene mm-hmm. in, that, in that case. Yeah, in that way, like, I felt like it was funny. I felt like it was supposed to look funny. Sure. Um, but no one else was really laughing, so I didn't know what to do. Because right, there are there are funny moments in this in this ballet, which are mm-hmm. telegraphed fairly well, usually involving the Three Musketeers, sort of, you know, and that rapscallion-y sort of uh, debonair, sort of suave characteristics they all have, you know, or, or mm-hmm. putting forward. Um, yeah, I, I would say maybe perhaps some of the fight scenes as well. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. and, and if only for just like the the um, the rarity of that in in ballet, I think perhaps some of those fight scenes might be sort of what this in quotes that no one can see except you and I and Andrew, who's <laughs> recording this right now, um, might be the things that are remembered for the Three Musketeers what, or what the Three Musketeers is remembered for. Mm-hmm. Um, well, yeah, because it is a really different type of training that the dancers have to go through for this specific ballet. There are other ballets like Romeo and Juliet or Othello that do have fight scenes in them. Sure. Um, but they're definitely like dance fight scenes. You know, there's mm-hmm. maybe a little dagger in there somewhere and, and you don't really see like the right, the the real skill of sword fighting like you did in this. Right, right, mm-hmm. absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah, so I would say maybe I, I half got this one. Mm-hmm. I sort of like I did, and there were some things that, that didn't quite land, perhaps. Yeah, it was, nice to, it was nice to watch. Visually very impressive. The sets were huge oh, and, yeah, and um, incredible. The, the symphony was great. Um, the dancing, too, was, was pretty great. I just, yeah, there was parts of the story that I didn't get for sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I had to go back and definitely reread the synopsis again. So, yeah. So, yeah. That so. was how that was how the Three Musketeers was. Right. And and what's coming up, Fonda? What's next in dance if Holy. not more Three Musketeers? Holy Paul, we have like the a massive weekend of dance coming up. Mm-hmm. In in addition to so many things that are going on in Edmonton right now. Um November 20th through 22nd is uh, the Good Women Dance Collective's Convergence Showcase at La Cité Francophone. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we will be there on the Friday performance on, on the, the 21st. 21st. And there's going to be a talk back after the show. And we're going to ask some questions. And then there'll be a chance for the audience to talk as well. And yeah, so go see it and uh, tell us what you thought. Yeah, absolutely. Um, happening same with some overlap, same weekend on the on Saturday, November twenty second, and Sunday, November twenty third. We have the Prairie Dance Circuit uh, at the John L. Har Theater out in the West End. Uh, but that's the presented by the Brian Webb Dance Company, and it is their their look at um, the dance that's going on across the prairies. So, so in this particular iteration, we have. Um, Ming Ho? Ming Han. Ming Han. Ming Han from Winnipeg. She's actually choreographed two pieces. She's performing in one, which is called The Exhibitionist, which features her um, dancing a duet with a Xerox machine. I see. Yeah. I, I'm very excited to see it. And uh, also a second choreography by her, which is set on a trio from the Winnipeg Contemporary Dancers. That one is called Forever in Blue Jeans, and it features Canadian dan- tuxedos. Dancers in the Canadian tuxedos and about $5 worth of pennies on the stage. Right. All those pennies you thought you were finally rid of. They ended up in uh, in dance. In guys. dance. Yeah, yeah. For art's sake. It's 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 pretty neat though. Convergence also has two pieces being featured that I think are are going to be pretty interesting. One is an extension of what we saw the good women do at Expanse. Mm-hmm. Um it's called Caveat. And I, it's about jealousy and envy. And, uh, right, it's based on an, an Aesop fable. Yes, right? yes, mm-hmm. called Envious and Avaricious, or the other way around, something like that. Um, but anyway, it's based on this. Uh, it's based on this fable about two neighbors who um, 
you know, are really envious and avaricious of each other. And uh, the they go to Jupiter, and he said, and the god Jupiter, not the, the god planet. Jupiter. Yes, Although, depending on your interpretation, <laughs> well, same thing. Um, so they go to the god Jupiter, and Jupiter says, "Okay, I'll grant each of you one wish on the condition that the other one gets double the wish." Right. So one oh. of them wishes for. Um, oh, don't spoil it. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah, so I won't. I won't. But anyway, what a, what a thing. What anyway, a thing. but yeah, it's it's like three three female dancers dancing about jealousy. It'll be interesting. Um, and then Rebecca Sodden, also from Winnipeg. There's two dancers from Winnipeg we have visiting um, this weekend. Uh, Rebecca Sodden, she's dancing in a piece called Surfacing, which features her doing a duet with a nice um, big white wooden table. Great. Yeah. Great. Yeah. <laughs> That's uh, cool. Yeah, I think it will be a very interesting weekend. And then the week following that, starting on the Tuesday, November 25th through 30th, Flashdance the Musical drops at the Jubilee Auditorium. It drops. It <laughs> drops. Yeah. Broadway um, across Canada, people. Yeah, that's how they do. <laughs> um, great. Yeah, and then there's more coming up in the future, but we will get to that uh, yeah. as the future approaches. Go see some dance, people. Bye. I Don't Get It is a podcast produced by Poglina, Fonda Mithrush, and Andrew Paul. It was recorded in a blanket fort in the Tall House on Alberta Avenue in Edmonton, Alberta. Our website is idontgetitdance.com. You can follow us on Twitter at I Don't Get It Dance, and you can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Our theme song is Mountain Time by Ghibli. Follow his music and check him out at ghibli.bandcamp.com. Sitting here thinking.